Hey guys, I just jumped on this podcast last week with a couple of Nelson College First 15 members and future rugby stars, Will Thornelli and Ollie Inch. It was part of their assignment for their class and they're big fans of the podcast, so they thought they'd have a crack at their own interviewing me with their very own unique podcast called What A Guy. So give it a listen. If you, if you enjoy it, give it a share for the guys. If not, that's all good. Welcome to What A Guy Podcast, and thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to listen to us. I'm Ollie, and joining me as well, and my word do we have a lad for you today. Boy, you guys are in for an absolute treat. Listen up, folks. This lad, he's done it all. He's won the Super Rugby Championship, played for six professional rugby teams, captain your very own Nelson College First 15, and is an all-round good bloke, weighing in at 93 kilos, six foot flat. It, it is James Ryan Marshall. Marshall. <laughs> wow, what an intro. 93 kilos, you reckon? Jeez. Somewhere around there. <laughs> I wish, but no, nah, thanks, boys. Thanks for having me on. Love your podcast. Excited for it. Awesome. Just a Nelson lad Living in Mapua He works on his podcast What a lad Just a country boy Born and raised in sunny Nelson He took the empty job Coaching kids Walking down the street Smell a bear of mud from broads A smile that will scare the kids They run and run and run and run Jimmy, scaring the kids Hurricanes live in Jimmy, my <laughs> what was that? That was unbelievable. Yeah. Was that you two singing? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty Jeez. good, eh? Pretty good. Auto-tune? It sounded like you were auto-tune, but not you. Yeah. But, but like <laughs> So, Jimmy, how's it been anyway? What have you been up to? Well, you pretty much summed it up in that song. I've been up at Nelson College um, taking the year 10 rugby class up there, which has been cool, um, coaching a few guns down there, your brother included, absolute wizard. And doing a little bit of work with Tasman and, of course, the podcast. Awesome. That's awesome to hear. <clears throat> what did your early childhood look like? 
So I was actually born in Auckland, unlike your song suggested, but um, moved down to Nelson when I was eight. Family all moved down here, and that's pretty much when I started playing rugby on that move down. And, um, yeah, went through Nelson College and then progressed through the rugby ranks from there. And um, you grew up with your brother, Tom, who was also a professional rugby player. Tell us, what did that look like? So we were just constantly playing, I'm sure. Yeah. You, same as you and yeah. your brother. You're both probably going to be professional rugby players as well. Yeah. Same with you and Harry Ollie. But, um, yeah, we were just constantly in the backyard, just playing one-on-one games just all the time. Always got pretty competitive. Always got pretty heated. Would always end in tears at some point. But... Um, We'd just be straight back out to the game like a couple minutes after. It was always pretty good times. And how did you actually get into rugby? How did you start it? So I tried it uh, up in Auckland when I was five. My brother would have been three. We went along to a, a Auckland club, but I didn't enjoy it. It was a bit rough for me at the time, so I ended up playing soccer. Um, but then when I moved down to Nelson when I was eight, um, all my friends down here were playing rugby, so I thought it was another... Good chance to give it a crack, and yep. I wouldn't say that I was a gun or anything. I was pretty poor at rugby all, all the way through the ranks, to be fair. But, yeah, I just loved it. I always loved watching it. I was a real code head, um, constantly watching and analysing games, even from a young age. Awesome, yeah. Now, you went to Nelson College. Um, tell the audience, what was your experience like at NC? Um, at Nelson Co- I loved Nelson College, obviously. Um that was sort of the start of my rugby journey. I didn't make the – I remember not making the under-16-18, which was a real moment in my career where I thought maybe my dream of being a professional rugby player wouldn't eventuate. So it was from that moment where I set some goals and um, started making some sacrifices on some things to, I guess, see how far I could get in the game. So um, my goal was to make the first 15 by the end of seventh form and I just noticed the harder that I was training, things started happening for me. So I ended up sneaking into the first 15 at sixth form, year 12, and uh, year 13 I was, like you Ollie, I was captain of the side. So it all did happen pretty quick and definitely once I started working out that the more work I was putting in, um, it just became pretty contagious. 100%. 100%. What would one of your favourite memories be? Um, or maybe the first final when I was uh, year 12 against Christchurch Boys down at Jade Stadium at the time. First time on like a real proper um, stadium, I guess, and playing against a real stacked Christchurch Boys. So we got pumped by about 50, but um, it was just a memory that, I remember and um, always stands out, made me realise, because I saw a lot of those guys kick on the next year and yep. I had a reasonable game that game and it made me start to think that maybe this could be a um, pathway for me. So got a lot of confidence from that game. and uh, But obviously the quad tournaments and stuff, they're always good times with the atmosphere and things like that. A um, couple of good ones. One up in Wanganui was a bit of a standout, but didn't, managed to win either of those either. So it wasn't a successful time. Yep. Now, everyone knows the famous Peter Gregg. Tell us, what was Griggy like for you when you were at school? Oh, Griggy was a legend. Loved him. Um, rugby class. He sort of set up the rugby class when in my second to last year at school. So that was sort of the new thing then. And it really gave me an opportunity to train really hard at, at rugby and look at it as a career. Um, as a coach, he was 
pretty poor, let, let's say that. <laughs> and he knows that. I mean, some of the game plans that we had was like inside ball, inside ball, outside ball, like no matter what the situation was in front of me. So um, I'm surprised I made it as far as I did with <laughs> that sort of <laughs> coaching. But um, now nah, he's such a good man, though, such a good guy. You'd have to uh, agree he's aged pretty well. He has. He has. He's looking. He's almost looking younger, isn't he? <laughs> Now, Jimmy, you're an absolute standout schoolboy footy. What did the transition look like to the, you to the professional stage? So Tasman Rugby had formed two or three years um, before I left college, so it gave me a real pathway into professional footy um, when they were formed. And after school, I made um, the Tasman Academy. So I did a year with them, training pretty hard, doing a little bit of study at NMIT, but... Um, the goal was always to try and make that Tasman side and ended up making that team the following year. So I was still pretty young. I was 19 at the time and played my first NPC coming off the bench in all the games. But it was a real cool learning experience and just testing yourself against some of the best players in the world is, was pretty um, pretty crazy and pretty surreal. All these guys that you'd idolised over the years now um, you're trying to tackle them. It was pretty. It was pretty buzzy. And you're well known for your professional rugby career. Um, tell us a bit about it. What does an average week look like for you in the professional environment? Um, well, it would depend what team I'm in. To be fair, like um, some teams did it differently, but I mean the standard week is um, if you're playing on Saturday, you'd recover on the Sunday, do your analysis on the Sunday as well, and then um, Monday would be a massive day of reviewing and previewing the next team you're about to play so um, that you try and nail most of that in the morning and then maybe have a bit of a run through a light run through on the Monday afternoon Tuesday would always be a massive day Um, gym uh, training and then Wednesday would be a day off Thursday would be another big day Um, Friday would be your captain's run and then Saturday you'd play again so and you'd pretty much just do that consistently throughout the year Awesome. Almost sounds as full on as the NC rugby program. Yeah, well, that's getting more professional than most teams at the moment. It's pretty, pretty impressive what setup they've got there now, and um, you guys are going to be the benefactors from it. Hundred. What advice would you give to a young chap looking to pursue a rugby career here in New Zealand? Um, I think just enjoy it. I mean, there's a lot of pressure on at the moment. I feel like a lot of guys are so keen to become professionals that they sort of forget. Um, why they're doing it and I think that's the enjoyment of the game because I mean it's a it's an awesome lifestyle it's an awesome career but it it is tough there's a lot of you'll have a lot of setbacks and if you're doing it for if you don't enjoy it um, when you have those setbacks it's going to be really hard so um, firstly do it because you enjoy it and you want to do it not because your parents want you to become Mm. a professional rugby player or anything like that do it for yourself and then um, just work hard, like I said, like make sacrifices. Um, the more you do, the better you'll become and um, the more you'll want it. So if you give up like your mornings, let's say, or your Saturday nights with the boys um, so that you can train Sunday, you'll benefit not only from that extra gym session, but you'll benefit from the sacrifice that you've made. It'll make you want it more because you don't want to be wasting, missing out on all these opportunities and for nothing, you know. So, exactly. Um, yeah, that'd probably be my couple bits of advice. Hundred, and um, you came into professional rugby quite early. What's one thing you wish you had known before you started your career? 
Um, oh, that's a good question, Will. Like that one. Mm. What would I like to have known? Um, I guess for me, when I when I first made the rugby scene, I sort of felt like it was way the level was way higher than I could ever imagine. So I always assumed that All Blacks would be like almost impossible to tackle. That they would just be like full on professionals. That um, you know, I just put them on this pedestal, which sort of meant that I didn't have much confidence in it. So. Yeah. Um, I guess I would be sort of just to back myself and that I probably was good enough to be playing at that level. And um, although we make these All Blacks look like um, superheroes, they're actually just normal humans. And if you tackle them around the legs, they'll fall down and things like that. And um, the difference between the All Blacks and, I mean, a good player is just the real little things that they do, way better than other players. So um, when you think of tackling them, it's... It's not the, that's not the big difference. It's the little things that they do that are better than the others, which is why they become All Blacks. But in my head, it was, man, these guys will just completely barge through me, especially I was like, I was a small guy. Um, it would have been about not much over 80 kgs coming into MPC at the time. And um, the thought of having to tackle guys like Jerome Kaino and stuff mm-hmm. was like, holy heck, how, how's this going to work? But um, shut your eyes and go around the legs and <laughs> they seem to fall down. That's the one. <laughs> Picture this, folks, walking out of the tunnel at Sky Stadium in front of 39,000 diehard fans for the 2016 Super Rugby final. Tell us, Jimmy, what was going through your head at the time? Yeah, those are always pretty um, crazy sort of moments. It was the year before, which was probably more memorable because it was um, the first time I'd sort of played in front of a packed um, cake tin, Westpac Stadium at the time. Um, and I, I, it was actually the semi-final against the Brumbies, which I really remember because that was the first time and it was an unreal night and the atmosphere was just crazy and I just remember running out, looking around, thinking, holy heck, like this is this is, a, this is sort of what I've always dreamt of and um, you just feed so much energy off crowds and the atmosphere that they bring. So, um, mate, that was pretty awesome. The, the 2016 final was awesome as well obviously we won it but I mean it was a wet cold windy night so um, it wasn't as enjoyable but um, the victory made it made it pretty sweet we talked about before you coming into professional rugby quite early Um, in doing so what were the some key life skills you learned early on in your life just coming out of school into professional rugby I guess one of the first things that I learned and it was probably an academy early on was the um, importance of time management and you've got to in, in the rugby circle you have to be very onto it with your time management because there's always meetings they're popping up everywhere and if you're late for one there's either a fine or um, it's just a really bad look so being able to manage your time well making sure you're taking your notes on when you need to be somewhere or always checking your calendar and things like that get a little bit of um, anxiety around it I guess when you start making like the big teams and constantly checking your calendar making sure that you haven't missed a meeting or um, it's, it's always a big fear of mine because I remember early on in my Tasman um, I wasn't even in the Tasman side but I was in the academy and um, they asked me to train with them for a day just because yeah. someone was injured and I ended up going home because I was getting up early for the gym session so I ended up going home after um, NMIT and having a little nap but I didn't set an alarm and I woke <laughs> up and I missed it I slept through it and I was like I ended up going to the training maybe halfway through yeah. and 
just that I still remember that feeling of oh, yeah. you just feel sick of yeah. you've just let your one op- I felt like it was like my one opportunity. Yeah. I look back now and it, I mean it wasn't a huge deal, but at the time I was like, oh, I've just blown my chance yeah, to be yeah, a professional yeah. rugby player. It was pretty crazy, and I guess that sort of feeling lived with me for a, my whole career. I didn't want that to happen again. I mean, yeah. I wasn't never late again, but I wasn't late very often. Hundred <clears throat> percent. Everyone has failures and they're extremely common these days. What would one of your biggest failures uh, be that you'd say? And how do you learn from it? Um, well, failure is an interesting one because I guess I put a lot of effort into trying to make the New Zealand under-19s and New Zealand under-20s. Yep. Um, went through a real period there where I was um, giving it everything to try and make those sides. Um, whether I call it a failure or not, probably not, but I didn't make the team, but what I learned from that period and how I saw myself grow as a player um, at the end of it, even though I didn't make the squad. Um, I think that was probably the period where I learned the most and realised that I'm mixing it with some of the best players in New Zealand now and um, took a lot of confidence from that and really um, took what I did from all my training and stuff and just tried to keep progressing that and going on. But um, failure is an interesting one because so many people fear it and yeah, yeah. Um, it stops. It holds a lot of people back from trying things or doing things because they don't want to fail. But man, fa- failure is actually really yeah. good. And yeah, yeah. Um, if you can learn from your failures, then man, try and fail. Like, don't be afraid to fail. Like, obviously, don't go and deliberately make mistakes, but don't be afraid to put yourself into positions where you will fail. Yeah, exactly. Um, and try and learn from them. Yeah, I reckon that's really key what you just said. Um, now let's talk about what you're up to now, Jimbo. You're back at Nelson College, but this time you're coaching and taking the Junior Rugby Academy. How have times changed and what's different from when you were at school? When I was at school, the rugby class had sort of, rugby academy had just sort of formed and it was all pretty um, green. I pretty much just went to the gym, um, tried to get big. And during those class, we'd probably have one field session a week and the other ones I'd just probably bike down to the gym and do a gym session. But... Um, now it's like a full-on semi-professional beast, even for these young kids at year 10 getting quality coaching yeah. um, from Jono and Mark and Max and all these, like, we've got sort of three field sessions, we've got an educational session, a little bit of gym in between. These guys are getting some pretty quality um, training in at a young age, so um, it's going to be interesting to see how that sort of progresses. We've got some really talented kids, as you guys would know. Um, your brother, Ollie, um, he's got a pretty big future in the game. And uh, it's just cool to see that rugby's being looked at as as a genuine pathway because um, you only have to look at the Nelson College old boys to see how many sort of boys in the last five to ten years that have made a profession, made um, rugby a profession, I guess. Yeah, 100%. We're pretty lucky. Now, I read an article the other day about your insane bench press at the schoolboy footy trials of 140 kilo. Stop lying to the press. That must be a typo. <laughs> well, like I said, um, I was going to the gym a lot for these um, rugby academy classes because I, I knew that the, one of the reasons I wouldn't get picked is because I was too small or yep. too weak. All the coaches would say that. I remember a few coaches in particular said that I'd never play professional rugby because I'm too small. So... I knew that was always going to be something that was going to hold me back from making teams. So they were the first things that I started to work on. And um, obviously I've had dodgy hips for a pretty long time. So I used to love getting on my back and 
lifting that bar and <laughs> it's true I, I I could do a hundred and forty um pretty much straight out of school so um, I got pretty good at the bench press. Unreal. Chest five days a week, was it? <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. One of those guys. <laughs> now, you've been around the professional environment for a while now, and I'm sure you've had plenty of water boys over your time. But the audience wants to know, who ran the best magic water? Mm, yeah, that's a good question because it, it is a very important job. They need to know when to give you electrolytes. Sometimes you might need a little bit of gherkin juice or something to stop the cramp, or you just need quality water, but... Um, I mean, I've had so many in my time, so I've played for a lot of teams. So, But I, my memory just keeps taking me back to the earlier days in Tasman where um, there was this absolute legend. His name was Nipper. He used to just always have the water, not only the perfect temperature, but he would give me the right stuff every time. He wouldn't even have to ask. He'd just sort of scan my body and throw me the right bottle, which is the right temperature. Sometimes it was a bit warmer. Sometimes it was a bit cooler, depending on the conditions of the game and the time in the game. So he put a lot of effort into it. And, um, yeah, he's definitely the greatest water boy that I've ever had. That's insane. So there's a few uh, rumours going around, Jimmy, that uh, Tom has a bit more gas than you. Please tell me that's a lie. No, that's true. I currently can't run, so um, I'm one of the slowest probably going around Nelson at the moment. But, yeah, he's definitely a lot quicker than me. He, he's going pretty, going pretty hard at the moment, so I'm um, looking forward to seeing him play shortly, hopefully. Mm. What about back in the day, I'm sure Tom carved you up a bit? Yeah, well, you know, with the younger brother, oh, you'll know this too, Ollie, the younger brothers always seem to be a bit better, yeah. um, and, you, and you do true. cop a fair bit of heat. Um, Lily in your case <laughs> But you do cop a fair bit of heat um, Being the older brother And having a talented younger brother coming through Everyone used to call me number two seed The number two seed Marshall from I think maybe year 10 I remember starting to get called that And yeah, um, yeah he, he ended up making Super Rugby before me So like the boys were into me then But what what people don't realise is that you actually want your brother to succeed as well. Exactly. Like uh, I didn't really care that he was better than me. I just wanted to um, yeah. make it as well. So a lot of the guys who were giving me shit, they were they were a lot worse than me. So yeah. <laughs> yep. And you played? Was it just the Tasman Marcos with your brother? What was that like playing alongside your brother? Yeah, that was awesome. So uh, his first year was my. Uh, second year I think or maybe third but um, he was he was the second five that year too and I was yeah. at 10 so cool. um, we had an awesome season yeah it was it was cool it's just um, cool to be out, out there playing with him because we didn't actually play a lot we never really played before that like we didn't play at school together or any, we ne- anything we never played in the first 15 together or anything like that so it was just sort of the first time we'd ever played together um, in a team and um it was, it was just cool, like we understood each other pretty well, but it was a shame we didn't get to play together more. We did say we we're both going to finish at Tasman together, but um, dodgy hips haven't allowed that. There you have it, folks. Jimmy Marshall on What A Guy podcast, talking about what it takes to be a professional rugby player, some key advice on how to pursue a professional rugby career in New Zealand, and his key advice, don't fear failure. Thank you very much, Jimmy. The audience loved you, we loved you, and we appreciate it. Hey, thanks, guys. Really appreciate you getting me on. Love what a guy. What an idea that was. Uh, one of the great podcasts, I think. So um, looking forward to listening back to this one and um, 
having a good laugh, especially about that song, one of the greatest <laughs> songs you'll ever hear. Awesome. Thanks, H. Jimmy. Cheers, mate. And a massive thank you to Vintage Nelson for sponsoring this podcast. Go check out their website, vintagenelson.co.nz.